Get the full bonfire experience on your screen. YouTube.com slash bonfire sports. Thumbs up, subscribe. You'll know when we're live. Enjoy the games. On the highway we are Bonfire Sports, Darren Bombing. Here is Ted Wyman, Jeff Hamilton, uh, the two newspaper scribes covering your Winnipeg Blue Bombers. And we're just cruising down the highway here. We recently crossed the Saskatchewan border and we thought, hey, let's throw up a little podcast uh, on Bonfire Sports talking a little ball. Fellas, excited for the weekend. Oh, absolutely. Labor Day Classics, one of my favorite weekends of the entire year and uh, especially of the Canadian Football League season I know uh, probably been going five or six years now and I mean even as a as a reporter not just going as a fan uh, it, it you know it's always a great time it's something to look forward to it's sold out it's a it's a great atmosphere and it's a great rivalry look I'm not gonna you know I'm not trying to be harsh here but Regina's a tough city to be in it really is. It's a tough city to stay a long time. If you're like gonna go, real. if you're, you're gonna, just... yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, if you're gonna go to Regina, you better go Labor Day weekend because <laughs> it's the best. It's the best time to go to Regina. And I, you know what? Look at the weather this year. It's like 30 plus degrees. I mean, I know September long is usually okay for the most part. You know what I mean? Like May long is when we usually get rain. It's like almost a guarantee. But like the weather is awesome. It's a year removed from what I thought in 21 was. You know, best way to describe it would be like a watered-down Labor Day, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the COVID was was rampant. Yeah. You know, people Wasn't were wor- people were worried about being in stadiums. Yeah. Didn't want to, you know what I mean? Like it, it, the atmosphere, although it was exciting. I mean, there was lots of green there, and, and there were certainly the people who went out. There's nothing against people who went out from Winnipeg because there was blue representation, but just not, not nearly to the levels. And so this year, this year it's back. Yeah. So that's the exciting part. I think I'm looking most forward. I think it's like a celebration, right? And, and not just as you mentioned, not just this year. But it's a celebration because of the tradition that is the Labor Day Classic. And now the Banjo Bowl, the, the game, of course, Troy Westwood named. My question, and maybe I'm absolutely nuts for asking this, but because Labor Day and that annual pilgrimage west from Manitoba to Saskatchewan, Wayne's World, the entire weekend, the trip in, the trip back, is the game sort of like, not the afterthought, but maybe not the you know, main, main, main event. It's kind of complementary to everything else. It's kind of funny you say that because I think in a lot of years, for Bomber fans, they were going out to go and have this great experience of Labor Day, but the game was almost never any fun because the Rough Riders would always win and sometimes quite often win big. I think the Riders are 37 and 19 all time in the Labor Day Classic, so it's still fairly rare for the Bombers to win, but they did win last year. And they are favored to win at this point this year, uh, you know, going in with a 10 and 1 record. I'm thinking it's probably a lot more fun for Bombers fans to come into a situation like that than it has been in some other years. I think it says so much that the Bombers are three and a half point favorites against a Rough Riders team that suddenly won a game in Vancouver last week, you know, Nathan Rourkeless, BC Lions. I'm going to address your first question first, though. You're right. It, it The game is almost an afterthought because you get fired up right. most days. I mean, you, you go out, you have a couple Pepsis, you know, you stay up probably around midnight or so, right? Yeah, just midnight. Just around midnight. And then and the game shows up and you're like, oh, there's a game. And that's the same, and, and you know, it's nothing against the game. It's obviously the game's a great part of the weekend, but it's at the end of the weekend. It's kind of almost a wind down because, you know, everyone's kind of having a great time. But it's much, it's much like the Grey Cup in that way. Mm-hmm. 
right? Like the great cop is all about the lead up. And then the game kind of happens. And, and then the and, next morning, And I know like, Bomber fans are like, yeah. okay, give me a break. There's, you know, the Bombers have been the last two great cups. It's been exciting. It's been, you know, uh, a, a big part of my life as far as sports, well, right? celebration for well, days well, after. Well, absolutely. But at the same time, like, it's, 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 just, it's just that much fun leading into it. And as we know, it's the opposite in the NFL, right? Super Bowl weekend, it's kind of like almost elitist leading up to it. And then the game, it's all about the game. So I don't know. It's going to be awesome in that respect for sure. I mean, so, sorry for jumping the gun there, but the three and a half point line does it surprise you guys? Like where Sask is, where Winnipeg is. I understand you know injuries and that sort of thing come into it, but like Cody Fajardo has been anything but solid this year consistently. Their offensive line is a bit of a mess. There's obviously all the turmoil in Ryderville with Garrett Marino and the suspensions and um, so much kind of BS floating around there. Meanwhile, Winnipeg is, you know, uh, screws are tight. Yeah, I mean, you know that you know that uh, Mike O'Shea and the Blue Bombers don't put a lot of stock into the history of the Labor Day Classic, but the, the odds makers obviously do. I mean, this is a game that's historically been extremely successful for the Rough Riders. Um, you know, it's, it's on their home turf. It's the most important game of the year for these fans, unless you're talking about the playoffs. And, and, it's a, and it's a great time, and it's a full crowd in that atmosphere. It plays into it somewhat, you know. I mean, the Bombers don't... Uh, the Bombers have been getting amazing crowds this year, and, you know, the players certainly talk like they get a big boost out of that. And yep. it, it looks like they do. So I don't think that's a crazy uh, line at all, Darren. I mean, I think that uh, maybe the Bombers could be favored by a little bit more, but I think when you take into the factors of the Riders being at home on Labor Day, full crowd, having one last week, like you said, and the Bombers... You know, they, they, they squeaked one out last week. They lost the week before. So, uh, you know, I don't think it's a crazy line. Well, and here's the other thing. So, 58 games, or this will be the 58th edition. So, in the previous 57 games, Saskatchewan has won 37. So, they are a 37-20 record. And, yes, the Bombers won last year, but that was the second time they had won in, like, 16 years. And so, to your point, Teddy, I think the biggest thing here is the crowd. Because it's the first sold-out game in the CFL season, you know it's absolutely crazy for the CFL, the whole league. Right? Yeah. You know, tomorrow next week will be the second, as the Banjo Bowl right. in Winnipeg has been sold yeah. out, right? Banjo Bowl. I mean, let's give some credit here to Winnipeg. Banjo Bowl was actually, I think, sold out before. It was, yeah. The, the, I think the, Hamilton sold out too. Yeah, but I think, yeah. Anyway, regardless. So, but but it's the crowd. It's it's the it's. It's even though you're, you know, you, you obviously the Bombers have done well away from from IG Field. They've done great at Mosaic historically. Well, they have. Oh, absolutely. But I mean, just in general, like this is a, a noise that they are unused. You know, they're not used to. And like, yeah. I mean, that was evident in practice all week because they had artificial, you know, crowd noise and, and getting ready for it. And the big thing is, is that communication on the offensive line is going to be very, very key, right? And we all know how dangerous yeah. the Rough Riders D line is. And when you co combine those two things, that turns into a big obstacle. And anyone who knows anything about betting understands that the team the home team gets an automatic three points so you take all those things in consideration as far as that whatever it's not overly surprising the other thing about it too if you're going to get in, you know i'll be mr stats here it's like more than 30 times of the 57 previous games more than 30 times have gone down to the final three minutes so you're, you know it's going to be a close game you know it's going to be a you know a tough battle i think in this situation the bombers are a bit banged up but I think in this situation, I almost look at I almost look at Winnipeg and I go, what an opportunity to like you know because it's so low. What I've noticed this week is 
two things from the Blue Bombers fan base. Bomber Nation is anxious and there's angst because of Garrett Marino. And it's interesting, Jeff, that, that you mentioned the D-line and how good they are against this Blue Bombers offensive line that, frankly, hasn't looked as good as past seasons, especially the last two seasons. Uh, they play against Montreal. Mike Moore and, and uh, all those guys like putting tons of pressure on Zach Kolaris. Uh, Calgary did a good job as well. Now you're going against, arguably, the best, if not right there, one-two defensive lines in the CFL. Pete Robertson, Anthony Lanier, um, Garrett Marino, and then of course AC Leonard. Like they're going to bring that pressure all day long. And you know, Winnipeg. We don't even know if Michael Couture is going to be in the lineup. And we're watching Pat Newfeld and uh, other guys take their vet days. It, it could be a long day on offense for Winnipeg. It could be a busy day for Legio punting. Yeah, honestly, DB, you know, if you really if you really break it down, the Bombers have lost one game this year, and to me, the number one reason they lost that one game is because the offensive line couldn't handle what the Montreal Alouettes were bringing. They got to Zach Caleros a bunch, they hit him a bunch, they forced picks, they forced a huge fumble that really cost the Bombers the game, and, you know, that made such a big difference in, in that game, and I thought even the week before, the Bombers had a lot of trouble containing what Montreal was bringing, and you know, the, the Rough Riders have a better defensive line than Montreal, in my opinion. At least it's been more effective to this point. The Bombers really have to be game planning for that. And, you know, Buck Pierce said just as much yesterday when Jeff asked him about it. You know, they they acknowledge that, that it all starts there and that they have to take care of that defensive line. And you, you threw out the name Garrett Marino. There's a wild card in all of this because... Yeah. That guy can cause so much trouble. There was already bad blood with him with the Bombers last year in the Banjo Bowl. And obviously he's caused a lot of trouble this year in the CFL and been suspended for it. The Bombers obviously and their fans very much hoping that this Rough Rider defensive line doesn't injure another quarterback because they've already knocked out three this year. What I was going to pick up where, where you just ended is that they, and, and two of those three injuries, and those three injuries being obviously Garrett Marino's Let's call it what it is. Bullshit move against Jeremiah Masoli yep. uh, in week five against the Ottawa Red Blacks. He's, he's now, he's been out for several weeks now. The season's and over. I don't think, is it officially over? I think well, I read it was a 10 to 12 week, but I mean, a one, look It's a one-win team. Hey, that's assuming the Ottawa Red Blacks are going to make the playoffs. So we'll, we'll <laughs> call it over, right? But yeah. it, I mean, it absolutely derailed their season, all right? Yeah. But the last, the last two of those, of those three have come in the last two weeks. Now, you know, Pete Robertson is not a cheap player. Uh, he got to Rourke, but he got injured, right? And then Michael O'Connor last week, right? When um, suffering a groin injury. So it's just, it's not even like, I don't want to dub these guys quarterback killers. It's a little hyperbolic. Darnell Sankey absolutely stapling Michael O'Connor right. to the turf. And so I think I think it's a real concern, given what we saw against Montreal and, and, and you know, a bit of a leaky O-line, mm -hmm. given some of the injuries and maybe, you know, whatever, so given some of the, um, I think Montreal was a bit of a different beast. I think they were under new, Coaching, so the film wasn't the same. The, the yeah, the no, no Thorpe took over, obviously, um, and so and so. I do think it's a bit of a different beast. I think the 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 riders have been consistent all season, so the tape will reflect that. But at the same time, they've just been that good. Like they, you know, they will they will rush seven, they'll rush six, they'll rush five. They get pressure on the quarterback rushing four, and in some cases, guys three. So yeah. when you're able to do that, it opens up so much more for your defense. 
you know, to, to, to be preventative in the, in the secondary, especially if you're getting to the quarterback early. The good news is, you know, Zach Claros can run. He can extend plays. Not afraid to do those things. And he's, I mean, he's been doing it since he joined the Barbers in 2019. So obviously a top priority. It's always a top priority to keep your, your, your QB on his feet. Yeah. It's particularly important one when you're facing this line with a, with a unit that has a guy like Garrett Green. And there's a lot of importance on Brady Oliveira as well in, sure. a, in, in more than one way. Obviously, Gotta keep it going. If they can keep him running the football yeah. as well as he has been the last few weeks, then you're mixing it up enough to make it difficult for that defensive line. But also, he's got to pick up blocks and from what all we've been hearing, he's been doing a really good job with that. Very much along the lines of, of the kind of production that Andrew Harris provided for the Bombers for a long time. Not calling them the same players, but his his numbers in the last few weeks and the things that he's been doing in the game, catching the football out of the backfield and picking up his blocks, running the ball well. That's what Andrew Harris did for the Bombers, and that's uh, you know that's a huge part of why the Bombers have been successful lately. When people talk about the best players in the CFL, they'll go through the quarterbacks, right? This year, Zach Claris, Nathan Rourke. They'll talk about receivers like Geno Lewis and Kenny Lawler, you know, Kadeem Carey running the football, William Stanback. They'll talk about Adam Big Hill, Willie Jefferson, Ja'Garrett Davis. But one player that I think doesn't get enough attention when it comes to the, that conversation of like top five players in the league is Derek Moncrief. This guy can do a little bit of everything, and he does under defensive coordinator Jason Shivers and this Riders defense. He is big, he is strong, he is fast, he can cover, he can rush the quarterback. I think, you know, like the D-line is a real strength of Saskatchewan, but I think it's a strength too, because right behind them, at the Dimeback, and sometimes other spots, Derek Moncrief's there making plays. He's one of the more interesting Dimebacks out there because he's really a true linebacker who also can cover, right? And that's something that a lot of teams don't use in that position. They use a guy who's a little bit more like a, a defensive back all yeah. the way. I think the Bombers have a guy like that in Donald Rutledge as well. He's a bigger guy and he's obviously a good tackler and a good cover man. But I think Moncrief has shown over the years that he's a real impact player from that spot. And of course, they've got a good, really good uh, linebacking core all around. Let's just face it, the Riders have a good defense and this Bomber offense is going to be hard pressed to put up the numbers that they have in some previous weeks. So, you know, it's going to be really important for the Blue Bomber defense to hold Cody Fajardo and that uh, Saskatchewan offensive check. Let's talk more about that Sask defense, or sort pardon me, Bombers defense versus the Riders offense. Do you guys see as Cody Fajardo as the X factor? You know, we've seen Jamal Morrow, their tailback, play exceptional this season. Now injured, Frankie Hickson steps in, looks just as dangerous, if not more. Uh, but it's the, that interior of the offensive line. A lot has been said about them and their inability to, uh, you know, run the football, pass protect, you know, do the things they need to do to have an effective offense under Jason Moss. But what do you do? You see Cody as the X factor? I see the O-line is the X factor. I mean, it's hard It's hard to ignore the fact that Cody Fajardo would be, is the most important player on, on, on the Riders, obviously. But, you know, if you look at last week's game, even though they won by, by a touchdown, Fajardo was sacked seven times. You know, so that, you know, and, and, and as much as we talk it's about the... number. Well, as much as we talk about this, this Riders defensive line that leads the league in sacks, uh, they also lead the league in sacks allowed. So... You know, we talk about the battle of the trenches, and that that you know that ultimately you know, 
defines a game or, or especially know, rivalry games like this. Well, right? absolutely. Yeah. And so you know, as much as as much as this, you know, the game will be will you know as much as the game will will depend on how Cody Fajardo plays. I think the the way Cody Fajardo plays depends on how much protection he gets. This guy isn't the mobile quarterback that he was in 2019. He's not. He's not extending massive plays. Like now, he he does have the you know he is a gutsy player. He he will run the ball when he has to. But this guy's had a knee injury that he's been work you know working through all season long so you know and we're not in week two or three we're in week 13 so this guy you know he's banged up so I, I mean I certainly I certainly think that you know obviously Fajardo's <laughs> is gonna it, it's gonna make or break with him I don't think that the Rough Riders defense is gonna necessarily you know completely dictate the game but at the same time I just think that O-line is, is, is suspect and it's been the Achilles heel of this team you know since the beginning of the year it's going to be interesting to see about the Bombers on defense, Darren, because there are some injuries there. And, uh, you know, it certainly looks like Malik Clements is uh, going to be out uh, on the, uh, you know, at the weak side linebacker spot. Big changes. And, and, Big and, changes. And, and Demario Houston is out. He was injured in the last game. And that means rookie Jamal Parker is going in at the field side cornerback. Winston Rose, as he did last game, moving over back to the boundary side, which he's done before, but that's still a change. And realistically, at that linebacker position, that's where it's the most up in the air because yeah. Clements is out, and you and, and Adam Bighill has been limited all week. So um, you've seen the Bombers using uh, mostly Shane Gauthier and Jesse Briggs, two longtime veteran Bombers, two Canadian guys who we know can play the positions, but without Big, you know, usually Big Hill's alongside of one of them when they're doing it. If, if he's yeah. not in there, and I'm not saying that he's not going to be playing, but we just don't know at this point. And, and, you know, that could be a real change. But even without, even if Big Hill is playing, you know, you're already missing Kyrie Wilson at weak side linebacker. Now you're missing Malik Clements at weak side linebacker. You're really digging deep into the third level. And it'll be really interesting to see how much that side of the field gets attacked because you're going to be looking at the weak side linebacker being new and the field side corner being new. All I'm saying is if Winnipeg wants to find success on defense in the Labor Day Classic, they're going to have to do it with their defensive line. If, if there's question marks at linebacker, question marks in the defensive secondary, I don't know if they're getting the level of play they really want at safety. Jamal Parker, you know, like against uh, Calgary last week after Demary Houston went down, Winnipeg played very soft, kept everything in front of them, uh, and Jake Mayer went to work, right? He started, you know, slicing and dicing them up. Sask's offense doesn't really play that style. They like to go for the deep shot. Keenan Schaefer-Baker, uh, you know, Duke Williams, um, uh, Kieran Moore, you know, I think if Saskatchewan is able to protect Cody and let him get set and throw, I know that knee injury hasn't affected just his running ability, it's also affected his deep ball ability because he just can't plant and throw the football as well, that if they can protect Cody, I think Winnipeg might be in some trouble because it could be a bit of an air raid. Against the Bombers. Yeah, and maybe the Bombers' defensive line needs to step it up a little bit more than they have Gotta all get season. To them. You know, I yeah. mean, we just haven't seen the big numbers in terms of sacks from Willie Jefferson and Jackson Jeffcoat, and uh, you know, almost as many coming from the interior of the line as we've seen from the rush end. So, uh, you know, you think this would be a good time for them to step up? As Jeff mentioned, seven sacks against last week. You know, and that was not against Jackson Jeffcoat and Willie Jefferson. But if those two guys, I'm not even saying they haven't played their best. They certainly still are effective, and they still wreak a lot of havoc back there. But, you know, 
it's about time to really have one of those games where you say the defensive line made the difference. Special teams is that X factor. You know, we talked about the offense versus the defense both ways. I think Mark Leggio is punting extremely well. Agreed. But I got to ask you guys what you think of his place kicking, not just over the last couple weeks, obviously the two big misses against Montreal, but all season from a very young player that's really just in his, his second year of pro football and, and handling all three duties. I don't, I, look, I, you know, we've definitely been hard on Mark Leggio at times, you know, this season. I think it's, you know, he, it's tough to fill the shoes of a guy like Justin Medlock. And as we saw last season, uh, you know, he, he ended up losing his job. Then Ali Mutado came in. He ended up losing his job. And then, and then obviously signing Sergio Castillo ahead of the, ahead of the Grey Cup run. Monster in the cup. So if you, but if you, you know, and, and so when they went back to back to Legio this season, it, it wasn't necessarily an eyebrow raiser because yes, last season was his first year, essentially, right? He was still learning. You know, the, it's a big transition. As much as the kicks yeah. may seem the same, it's a big transition to go from you know You're college playing in front pro. of fifteen hundred people to fifteen thousand plus. Totally, and the, st and yeah. the stakes are greater, and, and the kicking game has. You know, a, a bigger impact than in, than in than Canadian college football a lot of the times, right? I mean, there and there's such a there's such a small margin for error in a lot of these games, right? Particularly in the playoffs, and so you know, and it's just it's so fascinating to me this you know the whole Legio situation and, and giving him both jobs last year and then giving him back this year because this is a team that paid through the roof for Justin Medlock yeah. because they knew exactly what like, like Justin Medlock. With, they trot him out for a 57-yarder. They trot him out for a 56, 55-yarder routinely, yeah. right? And more often than not, he'd make it. Rene Paradis can't even do that. Yeah. I couldn't even believe that Rene Paradis' career long prior to this season was 52 yards yeah. in a game. So it just tells you how valuable. Anyway, back to Mark Leggio. It's like he actually had decent stats. He has better stats, field goal kicking percentage, than Sergio Castillo this year. But he's protected. Like, if the Bombers have a 53-yarder, 52-yarder, they don't bring him out. You know, they have brought him out in the past, but more often than not, they won't put him in that position. They'll, they'll, take, the, the, they'll take the field position mm -hmm. over the risk of missing, yeah. and that, which tells me a lack of trust. And, I mean, obviously, when things went off the rails in, in, that, in that game against Montreal, the lone loss, where you not only miss, you know, a, a last second would have been a game-winning field goal, and then you, then, you, then you hit the upright, you know, in, in order. So, so, to me, and I've been saying this for you know, ever since then, really, is that I don't know what Mark Leggio can do from now till the playoffs to prove that he can be that he can handle the the you know the emotions yes. between the ears and all that stuff. And, and yeah. I, I know that might sound like a harsh thing, but the reality is, is if you don't have Sergio Castillo nailing field goals, guess what? The Bombers aren't back-to-back -back champs, yeah. and they certainly won't be three peats if they can't trust their kicker. Their kicker can't come through. Well, the only thing that would work for me, Jeff, would be if he could have say three pretty big kicks in three different games right you know not necessarily all for the win but in the fourth quarter where they mean something yeah. and make them all because that attempt for the win against Montreal looked like somebody who just did not have the mental space at that moment for that you know for making the kick in that in that situation his kick in overtime was better but it still hit the upright and was no good it just it just screamed of a guy who's not quite ready yeah. for prime time in those situations. And I mean, as Jeff said, I mean, it would have been automatic with with uh, 
Justin Medlock, and uh, of course that's well in the past and long forgotten. He's not ever coming back. You have to move on, and for Mike O'Shea, this is a balance. He has to look at it as a situation where I think Mark Leggio can be a good kicker. If I don't stick with him here, he probably has very little chance of being a good kicker. you got to let him work through it, and they're letting him do it. He did make his kicks last week, but not in the same kind of pressure situations. you got to see him do it in a few pressure situations, or else I would have zero confidence going into the playoffs. It's a show-me business. It's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately business, right? Here's the thing. When I hear Mike O'Shea talking about Mark Leggio, I believe him when they say that they believe in him. I believe Mike O'Shea when they say Mark Leggio has done it before and that he has the talent and he has the power and he has the accuracy. I think he has all those physical tools. But as you mentioned, Ted, that's the first thing that went through my head when I was thinking about those two kicks against Montreal. He misstruck that potential game-winning kick so bad. No, no doubt chance. he was thinking about that when he doinked it off the upright in overtime. So I had the pleasure of, of watching dozens of Blue Bomber games and CFL games with Troy Westwood. And, you know, he knows what it takes for better or for worse in pro football. And he says it plainly. Mentally, when it comes to kicking, it's 90, 95% mental. And then Troy would also add, maybe even more. So. When do you find out the metal of a young man like Mark Leggio? We've seen it in games that don't matter. We've seen them go out and, and, and make a trade for a veteran guy going into games that did matter last season. What's going to happen this year if Mark Leggio, as you said, you know, doesn't show that he can get the job done when it counts? Well, it's pretty obvious that if he does miss again, Maybe I'm wrong. I think it's pretty obvious. If he were to miss in a key situation again, I don't think there'd be any choice but to go out and try to get someone else. Well, how many teams have a kicker on their practice roster? I have no idea. I'm pretty sure it's one, and it's the Blue Bombers. Well, and that's it. They're not going to find a new kicker. If they're switching legs, they're going to Ali Murtada. Yeah. Like, right. I, you know, unless, like, a Lear who comes into play, right. and, you know, and they can okay. get somebody with a decent, but they're, they're going to go to him. And then yeah. and if that doesn't work out, then they'll do what they did. I mean, it's 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 not as easy, right? Like, there, I'm under the impression, I get the feeling at the very least, that there's not a lot of teams that want to help out the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Right. And I think Could the I BC think? Lions looked like the BC Lions Evan ultimately helped out, helped out the Bombers last year, right? Yes, like he did. was on, he was on their rights, but he wasn't on their, yeah. you know. And he's like, yeah, take him. And what does he do? He's the, you know, he wasn't quite the the Grey Cup MVP. We don't have to get into that, but he should have. I been. voted for him. Should have been. Uh, I didn't. I didn't vote. I was the tie and vote, just for the record. So there was no tie. Um, but that. So I think that's the process. I just, you know, I think, you know, and when I said earlier that I don't know what Mark Leggio can do. Well, if Mark Leggio comes out and he's perfect the rest of the season, there's absolutely no reason to go get a kicker. But it's just like you know, we look at his, we look at his season, and we look at that game against Montreal, and then we look at his like, hey, at the end of that game, we look at his statistics, 18 out of 20. Well, that's pretty damn good. For a kicker, right? He misses two. Things happen. We've not seen it all. We've seen it on every team. It's not. Doesn't matter if you're Rennie Paradez, Justin Mellock, whatever. We've yeah. seen it happen for every team. So you're gonna miss every once in a while. But what we don't. What we never really talked about was he kept on missing one point converts that left the Bombers in a weird, you know, in, in a bad situation late in the game, only to be bailed out by the defense. Mm -hmm. And Three my point. Is, and my point is that's one season. thing to do that in the regular season to leave that up to chance in the playoffs where it's. Win or go home, 
I don't know if that's something that Mike O'Shea can stomach. I just don't think it is. Mike will, will step in front of reporters. He'll tell us and everybody who wants to listen or ask that he's got the utmost trust. But he, that's what he's going to say 100 times out of 100 times. Because that's what he's going to say what, to Mark's face. Right, and he said right. that leading into signing Sergio Castillo like yes. nobody you know nobody was like no one was like you gotta get it you know what I mean like we I mean don't get me wrong media was but Mike wasn't saying oh we're looking we're looking you know what I mean right. it was, we trust this guy these are guy you know they, they put the work in and blah blah, blah and then boom so and, and let's be clear here too because I think a lot of people don't understand those inner workings of football teams it's not just the bombers all of them but it's not Mike O'Shea says one thing and then Kyle Walters goes and signs somebody and be like oh Mike I got you a kicker they all talk and ensure that they have what they need. The the OC, the DC, the assistants, uh, the head coach, the GM, the scouts, the assistant GM, they're all in constant communication with one another talking about the roster. So it's not like Mike O'Shea said, I have faith in Mark Leggio, and then suddenly Kyle Walters pulls a trade. They knew it was coming. Here's my question. Chris Jones is making trades in Edmonton right now like he is a teenager with NHL 94. <laughs> Could Sergio Castillo join the Blue Bombers for the playoffs? Because Edmonton really right now looks like they're packing it in. Jeff, correct me if I'm wrong. Castillo's under contract for next season? I, I believe he is. And I think that's the factor that makes this That Edmonton would want to keep him. Yeah, because if he's not, if he, was, if he weren't under contract for next season, then maybe... You know, right. for sure. Why wouldn't you trade him? And Winnipeg could just sign him back. But if there's some kind of arrangement made, there's a possibility I there. I feel like we should. I should. We should know that. I don't know. It probably is two years. Uh, even if it wasn't two years, I still. I'm a little skeptical that Sergio Castillo would come here, based on how much does he love Edmonton, man. Think about it. Like we went down to cover the game Maria's. in Edmonton. Maria's he, northern it, Mexican cuisine. It's the closest thing that he that he's had to to food back home. You could just see this. We you like. Let's face it. We saw a different Sergio Castillo. Now he wasn't a quiet, introverted guy necessarily with the Bombers. And granted, he did come later in the season. But like, this guy is completely out of his shell. He feels at home with the Elks. And I and I just always thought that you know it might be one of those things. Like if he was on a one-year deal and they're not going to make the playoffs. And I and from what I understand, talking to people in Edmonton. It's a miserable place to be. I think it's pretty normal when you when you got you know several guys coming in and out of the lineup. Like I was joking about this the other day. Like you know, Mike O'Shea tells people like, look, you know, look at the guy to your right, look at the guy to your left. That's who you're going to battle for. Like Chris Jones can say, look at the guy to your left, look at the guy to your right. He's not One of these anymore. guys is not going to be here next week. You know what I mean? Like, and that's and that's just a rough. That's a rough situation for anybody, well, think particularly for people who have been in good, but even particularly for people who have been in good locker rooms that know what it takes. So I could see maybe if it was like a one-year deal, if it was the only year that he'll come with the, with the you know, go on the run, get a great cup, you know, whatever, or fight for a great cup at the very least, and then go back to Edmonton. But if he's on a two-year deal, I don't know. Be he tough. is on a two-year deal. I just looked it up. Uh, just enough cell service here in rural Saskatchewan. About an hour out of Regina. Yeah, now we're east of Regina as we, we head our way in. Uh, this has been fun, guys. I'll maybe get your final thoughts from you. We're recording this on Friday. We're going to enjoy tonight. Walk through for both teams tomorrow. Nice media dinner as uh, the rest of the city froths up ahead of the Labor Day Classic on Sunday. And then our pilgrimage home on Monday. Uh, I'll, I'll maybe plug Jeff's uh, Instagram, at Jeff K. Hamilton. 
Is that right? At Jeff K. Hamilton, yeah. yeah so same as your Twitter. Dummies are doing it. Yeah. <laughs> we we might not be as fresh on Monday. Might not be as fresh on Monday, but uh, yeah, no, this is a fun little uh, little pod to, to put up, a little bonus content on Bonfire Sports. Uh, if you're listening to the pod right now, or maybe I'll post this on YouTube, uh, be sure to uh, keep things locked. we got uh, Game Day Winnipeg with Chris Walby on Saturday. We'll do a post game as we always do. Myself and Zach Schnitzer after dark, after the Labor Day Classic. Ted, Jeff, where can everybody find your work and what are you working on this weekend? Hmm, I was going to cover the game myself this Sunday. <laughs> I just, I don't know. Hopefully I make it. I'm working on my alcohol tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was sort of what I was getting at. But anyways, you know what? Uh, you know, obviously looking to Again, like I said at the start of this, it's just one of the best weekends of the year in the CFL, and you're just looking to capture what it's all about, right? I mean, it's Bomber fans who are traveling there. It's Ryder fans from all over the province who are coming to just bask in the glory of the CFL. It's uh, it's a highlight of the season for the entire league. Looks like it's going to be absolutely beautiful, maybe a little bit hot for football, but uh, pretty darn good uh, on this Labor Day weekend. And, uh, you know, I mean, to me... This is a very interesting game in terms of the standings, too, because if the Bombers win, or if they win two out of three, they play the Riders three times this month, you know, that's first place for Winnipeg all day long. And then the Rough Riders are basically scrambling to try to get into the fourth place and the crossover. You heard it here first. Ted isn't riding this weekend, so <laughs> for the Winnipeg sign. Final, I'm only driving. Final is Winnipeg, stop in the Winnipeg sign, but no, I mean... This will be a special weekend. I love people watching. I'm looking forward to it being back to, you know, the event that we've we've all come to know it to be. And, um, you know, certainly been writing all week about the rivalry and, and talking about things like, you know, the D-line and should the Bombers be worried, at, you know, about Garrett Marino and I'll have my five storylines heading into the game tomorrow, today online, but Saturday Saturday's paper. And, and looking forward to covering both teams tomorrow. It's always, a, it's always a cool day, the Saturday, because you know how important it is to both sides. You know how important it is to both fan bases. And there's just, it's just, there's so many storylines that go into it. It's just, uh, you know, it's it's the Labor Day classic, and, and uh, it certainly lives up to its reputation. So, WinnipegFreePress.com are the pages. Of the <laughs> and I guess Much I fun. should say WinnipegSun.com. Absolutely. I yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to this game, too. It's always a special one. Uh, anytime uh, I'm able to get out on the road with you guys and then travel with the media, it's great. we got a lot of good friends in Regina, good friends from Winnipeg coming along as well. And... Well, hey, you know, a football game in front of a sold-out crowd and a rivalry to boot, uh, it's going to be a heck of a lot of fun on Sunday. But, Ted, Jeff, appreciate you guys a lot. Thanks for this. Uh, Yeah, hey, be sure to check them out uh, in the Winnipeg Sun, the Winnipeg Free Press. And we will see you a little bit later here on Bonfire Sports.